Hey men, welcome to another episode of Quality Manhood, a show for Christian men seeking to understand how to apply God's truth in everyday life. I'm one of your hosts for the show, PJ Burner, along with my co-host, Kellen Allen. What's up, guys? So Kellen just had a uh, another child enter into the family. Well, you didn't. Your wife did. Yeah, I, I, I clearly did not. You were not involved in that, that process, Although, the delivery of it. She was holding my hand, and I felt like I was in labor because she We're going to stop time. because there are women who do tune into this from time to time, and we want to keep them listening. But uh, no, Tristan, right? Tristan Allen. Tristan James Allen. Tristan James Allen. And yeah. the James comes from? The book of the Bible. The James. book of the Bible, not LeBron not James. Not LeBron James. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so so Kellen's in the throes, man. If you've been there with uh, with your newborn infants at home, of that that late night, you're not sleeping, uh, you're awake, and that that shrill cry from a baby that just just shakes the bones yeah, in your it body. Does. It does. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in it right now. And uh, last night was one of those nights. Uh, just every time I got comfortable, head was down, thought I was about to go to sleep. You start to hear the squeals, and you're like, Oh no, don't do it. And then he's up. So, yeah. Uh, back to the rocking and. You know, it's funny how like you get creative with your rocking schemes, uh, yeah. thinking that that's helping them go to sleep. I got an aggressive rock. I got a dip rock. I the got bounce. A, the bounce. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I even do it, and I don't even have the kid in my hand. Right. That's why, because yeah. we we have kids for so long, and then we're standing in church swaying or bouncing, and it's like, what are you doing? I can't stop. <laughs> yeah. This my life depended on getting that kid back to sleep. Yeah. Right. It's just who I am now. I'm the bouncer. Right. Yeah. Right. But you you've got some extra time on your hands, and you stumbled across. Uh, a game show that we all know in the United States is Family Feud, right? Yeah, Family Feud, Steve Harvey. Um, they have it in Canada, though. But it's not Steve Harvey. See, the, Canada just wants to take everything that we have and just try to do it better, and they just can't. They can't. They but, can't. But they, they did have an episode that went viral. Um, so I know we have some that's gone viral, but this one was uh, pretty funny. It happened earlier in, in January. I think it was early January. Uh, there was... It was down to the end, and it was sudden death. So sudden death, of course, you just get one answer correct that's on the board, and your team gets the opportunity to win $10,000. So you had this this female. Her name was Eve, I believe it was. And Eve I'm, always messes things Eve up. Eve always messes, right? I hope that's her name. I think that's her name. I'm, it we're going to go I'm with I'm looking it. at it. Okay. That's her name. Yeah, Eve. Great. That's a great name. So um, Eve is up there along with the guy, and the question is, what is Popeye's Favorite food. And Eve, before he even finishes the question, just bangs the, the buzzer. Bang! And she goes, chicken! And she like has this dance, and she's very arrogant about it, and she like shimmy shakes with it, and she just knows she's correct. And then you can just hear in the background, everybody's like, aww. <laughs> and so, the groan of, yeah, no, nope, that's not it. And you can see in her mind, like her brain's working like, what, what do you mean, aww? Like she's looking around, and her whole family like has their hands on their head. And then the, the, the Steve Harvey of, of Canada, the host, he like just drops his head all the way to the ground, and then you hear just the, the buzzer sound, and you just see her just, like, sink. And it was hilarious. And then the guy, of course, bangs the buzzer, and he knows they're talking about the cartoon. He says spinach. His team wins. They get the opportunity to play for $10,000, and Eve's family walks away with zero because yeah. she was jumping Popeye's, Not Popeye's chicken. Popeye the Sailor Man. Popeye the Sailor Man. Yeah. Spinach. I mean, I don't even know. Like, yeah, Popeye the Sailor Man would have ate chicken. Like, yeah, he would have been... Not who he was. Obese and yeah. who knows. Yeah. Uh, but it came down to, what, context, right? If yeah. she had listened to the whole sentence, yeah. the whole question, she would have been able to get the answer right. Exactly. Uh, I mean, but at the end of the day, she did get $10,000 uh, 
a gift card from Popeye's. So $10,000 worth of chicken. I don't know what to do with that. But Pass. Yeah. Because she went viral, they gave her $10,000. So I'd rather have $10,000 worth of dollars. I, I would. I don't know. I, I like Popeye's. Chicken. I like Popeye's. I don't know about $10,000, though. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> but again, the problem was context. Right. Right? Yeah. And when we think about believers, when we think about Christianity, when we think about the church, and then especially as we're driving at now, when we think about God's word, yeah. context plays a major role in making sure that we're understanding the Bible correctly and using it correctly. Right. And so as we think about some ways that men, not just men, but everybody, but we're talking to men. So the, the ways that we as men can take verses out of context and, uh, and abuse them, uh, we need to be careful about how we handle the, the word of God and handle it in the right way. For instance, back when I was in high school and, and not as uh, ah, intelligent as I <laughs> pretend to be at least now. You thought you were. Though, I, sure. I thought I was clever. Yeah. We had a Bible study and uh, it was a guy's Bible study and it was called Chrome Y, um, Chrome Y, Chrome X. And it was called Chrome Y. And our theme verse was Zechariah 5, 7, and 8. And, and this is probably one of the worst abuses of scripture that I've ever uh, committed. But uh, Zechariah 5, 7 says, and behold, the lead cover was lifted and there was a woman sitting in the basket. And he said, this is wickedness. And he thrust her back into the basket, thrust down the lead and weight on its opening. And off the basket went. And so we thought we were clever because, ha ha, the woman is wickedness. But it's a metaphor for the sins and iniquity of, of Israel is, is the right. wickedness there. <laughs> so, yeah, Scripture can be twisted, can be uh, broken, can be perverted to make it sound like uh, it's, it's saying something that it's not. Kellen, what are some ways, what are some verses that may be more common uh, that are, are often taken out of context? I know one from personal experience for me as well, just being an athlete. Um, and I think anybody that's going into a competition uh, that doesn't really understand scripture, they completely take Philippians 4.13 out of context. So I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And for me, when I was playing basketball in college and high school, um, I thought that meant, you know, I can go out and get 30 points. Uh, I thought I could go out and, you know, get 15 rebounds. I thought I could, you know, lead my team to the win because God was going to give me that strength. He wanted me to win that game. He wanted me to score 30, whatever that might be. And I, I honestly thought that was the case. And so many people do. You hear that and you see people with, you know, Philippians 413 on their eye black or they have Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow. Yeah. Or, you know, they have tattoos of it and just talk about it all the time. But really when we look at that uh, – Paul wrote this epistle from prison, right? And this verse is, is not about God's going to just do everything that, that we want him to do. It's about uh, Christian perseverance, right? And so he's commending the Philippians in this situation for their care and support. If you look at verse 10, their care and support in his tough circumstances, right? And then if you even drop down to verse 11 and 12, Paul is talking about how he's even learned to be content in situations where he's in the midst of tribulation, right? And, you know, he's hungry, starving, getting beat, whatever it might be, he's learned to put his trust in God and know that God will, will see him through. And so that's 11 and 12, and it gets us down to verse 13, and he says the secret of his contentment was just trusting in God's strength. And so that gives us the point of, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And so it's the contentment piece of it, and it's Paul overcoming these hardships and him putting trust in God to know that he's going to see him through, not... Uh, I'm going to be able to run a three-minute mile tomorrow because God gives me strength. doesn't work like that. Right. Right. He says, I've learned the secret of being content. I've learned the secret of being 
of having much, of having uh, of having little. Yeah. yeah, that that's where that strength comes from. Uh, the Babylon Bee jumped on that uh, out of context, and they wrote an entire article on that. It says, weird but true, two Christian high schools have been stuck in a tied football game for six <laughs> months after both teams invoked Philippians 4.13. Yeah, I, I love the Babylon Bee is funny, but it's funny how their jokes now are becoming like reality. And so people don't know, they have to discern, is that real or are right. they still satire right now? Right. Is that satire or is that, oh right. man, that, that strikes a little bit too close to home, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's one for sure. You see that all over the place, and and beyond sports too. I mean, yeah. we we take that into our everyday lives. I need this promotion, man. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Sure, um, you know whatever it may be, and 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 there's a, a proper way to take that verse and apply it to our lives. Yeah, to say, oh man, uh, we're we're struggling right now. You know, we're we're walking through a trial right now, but I know that I can endure because because Christ is strengthening me, um, because my contentment is ultimately not here, but it's. It's in my relationship with him. So whether things are great here or things are hard here, you know, I've got that contentment and he's strengthening me to continue to endure as long as I'm here for sure. Yeah, all those things he, Christ is calling us to do to be Christians, to be followers of him, that's what he's going to give us the strength for. He's not going to you know, tell us to go follow him and then also not allow us to be able to do it. He's going to give us strength to continue to press on and, and be better followers of Christ and grow more Christ-like. Right. And another verse that people take out of context uh, commonly is Matthew 18, verses 19 through 20. It says, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. And so when people typically hear this verse, then they say, okay, I got two or three brothers in Christ here, so that means God is present. Um, and, and that's not what it means. If if that was the case, if that would have meant, if that's what it meant, then there would be no point for our you know our prayer time just by ourselves, um, our devotional time just reading God's word because He's not present. Which of course we know is is not true. Even if you go down to Matthew twenty eight twenty, the very last sentence uh, of this book says, "And behold, I am with you always." Jesus is saying to the end of the age. So it's not like you know. Jesus is gone, then he, he's back when we have two or three. He's always there. And if you take a look again at the context, if we break this passage down, uh, really Matthew 18 is talking about church discipline in the first place. And so verse 15, when we start, we're talking about an, a sort of an errant Christian who's confronted about their sin, and the first step is rebuke them in private. And then from there, we take one or two uh, brothers, and we, we had that conversation with them there. And then if that doesn't work, uh, verse 17 tells us, take it to the church, take it to church leadership uh, from there. And then, of course, then you get to verse 18 where it says, you know, Jesus has delegated authority to the church and the church leadership. Uh, and it gets us to verse 18 that we're talking about, uh, where Jesus has delegated authority to the church and its leadership to do the discipline. And then that gets us to the verse that we are, are, are talking about here in 19 and 20. If two or three leaders pray about it and they agree about it on church discipline, at that point, Jesus will be there uh, with them to resolve these tough decisions that we're in. So it, it has nothing to do with two or three people, Jesus is here. We're talking about church discipline here, but you don't understand that unless you read the entire context of the verse. Right, it's an authority issue. Yeah, right. this is not about like, like you go into the, the Kitsch Christian bookstore and you see this sign up on the wall that's like, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am. And it's right. like, oh, that's cute and and totally wrong, right? right. <laughs> like, it's, it's not what it's talking about. It's yeah. like, yes, if you're going to hang that cute, like, hand-painted sign above your church discipline table at your church, <laughs> 
which I don't know if you That'd have one of those. Weird. We, we yeah. don't. Like, what's that table? <laughs> got a table out front. Yeah. It's a church discipline table. That's why the sign is hanging above it. We have coffee there sometimes, and then we kick people out of the church there sometimes. It right. just depends on the day. <laughs> um, no, but th- this is a context of church discipline. And, right. and you're right. We, we grab that other context and make it sound like, well, we need to gather together. Two or three of us need to gather together to really pray about this or fast about this because then Jesus promises he'll be there with us. And is it wrong to get together with two or three brothers or, or whatever to, to pray about a matter? No, not at all. No. But there's, that's, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden God is there in the presence with you. Like right. you said, Kellen, at the beginning, we've got the Holy Spirit dwelling within us as individuals. God's presence is with us. Um, and, and not only that, but he's also omnipresent. He's present everywhere at all times. Right. So, yeah, this is not saying, well, the key to unlocking God's presence is for two of us to get together. One, sorry, dude, yeah, you're out. You're stuck. But two... Then we're now we're talking. Now God's there. So yeah, for for sure, church discipline context there. Yeah, another verse. How about uh, here's a old one and a, a good one. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Yeah. Gotta be careful here because now I'm talking to some guys out there in the car that are like, dude, this is my life verse. <laughs> Don't, <laughs> Don't you go even. there. This is my life verse. My mom had it needle pointed above my crib. <laughs> I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Such a good verse, right? Sounds great. Man, I know God's plans for me. So I may be walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Amen, right? But I know that God has a plan for me, plans to prosper me for my welfare and not for evil, to give me a future and a hope. There you go, man. Life verse. I'm going to get it tattooed on my wrist, and it's going to be in Hebrew with the Greek translation next to it, and that's my life verse. Guys, this has nothing to do with you. Nothing to do with you. Does God have a future for you that's good? Yes. Does God have a future for you that's about your welfare? Uh, We're going to be careful about how we define that term, but overall, yes. I mean, when we're looking at the future for us is eternity, yes. Is, Is God's plan for you evil? No. Is God's plan for you involve a future and a hope? Yes, 100%, but this verse is not about you. Right. Uh, two things there. Number one, when it says, for the no, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, that you there. See, this is why we need a Texan Bible, because the Texan Bible would say, for I know the plans I have for y'all. <laughs> y'all, yeah, you know it's exactly a, what it is. It's a second person plural. It's not an individual. This is not a verse about the individual. This is a verse about the corporate. And then we have to ask ourselves, okay, so then who's the corporate? Well, it's Israel. This is a verse about Judah who was facing exile, who was facing uh, punishment and judgment and discipline under the, the, the hand of God for their rebellion against him. And yet at the same time, he's reminding them of a future that they will have, mm-hmm. that he's not done with them, that he's not abandoning them, that he's not going to forget them, but that he has a future that's going to be a good future for them and a hope-filled future for them so that they will remember even during their exile that God is still their God, that God is still with them and that they should return to him and seek him and that he would still continue to have a future for them. It's, it's not your tattooed on the back of your neck, Hebrew verse, life verse for you. You went from forearm to neck, so you just raised it up a level. I mean, I'm covering my bases. It, it just, you know, there's the guy that's got it on the wrist. There's the guy that's got it on the back, back of his of neck. Back of the calf. Right? You got to have yeah. that too for back summertime. The yeah. Yeah. I have no tattoos because I just don't want to draw attention to this earthly tent that I'm dwelling in right now. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Jeremiah 29, 11. Um, it's not your life first. Sorry, guys. It's just not. And if you have any issues with that at all, you can write me. My email address is Kellen Allen. Uh. At, uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, but this is one that we do pull out of context quite a lot. Again, Christian bookstores, 
the, the, the signs, the placards, it's up there. Yes, God is a good God, but that verse is not talking about you as an individual believer. Yeah. So this has been great just being able to break down a, a few of them. And there's, there's a lot more out there. Uh, these are just some of the common ones that, that we hear about. Uh, but what we do want to spend a, a couple minutes on is just talking about how do we avoid this? Now that we know there's these, these verses that can easily be taken out of context, what are some of the ways that, that we can avoid it? So, Pastor PJ, what, what are some of the, the tactics that you could throw out there that, that guys can pay attention to? Yeah, I think the, the first thing has been implied, and that is when you are studying the Bible, when you're reading a verse, when you're um, thinking about a verse, pay attention to the context. Pay attention to the, the paragraph that it's found in. Pay attention to the chapter that that paragraph is found in, to the, the book that that chapter is found in, so that you'll have an understanding of what the author's original intention was, because it's not our right to just grab a Bible verse out of the middle of the Bible and make it sound like whatever we want it to sound like. It's, it was put there by the human author, yes, but even more importantly, by the divine author, by God himself for a purpose. And, and that purpose is revealed to us if we'll just do a little bit more work to pay attention to the passage around that verse. So when you, you're looking at a verse, you're going, well, I think it means this. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, read around that verse. Read the, the, the paragraphs surrounding it and try to get an understanding of, of what the author was driving at in the context. Yeah. Yeah, another thing that we can pay attention to is the historical context of the book. So one that we mentioned here was Philippians. So thinking about Paul, and he's writing this from prison. So keeping that in mind of he's writing to the church in Philippi from prison. And even as you're thinking through that, as you're reading what he's saying, you can put that in the context, and that helps you with verses like Philippians 4.13. Um, and so and that's with any book. So what is the historical context? And most study Bibles that you have before the book actually gets into the first verse of the first chapter, kind of gives you that historical context before. So you can almost put your mind in that place of where it is, what's happening, why is it happening, who are they speaking to specifically, and that sort of helps you frame up uh, some of these verses and helps you with the context. Yeah, that's a, a great resource. Uh, there's New Testament survey introduction books. There's Old Testament survey introduction books that give you an overview of the book as well and gives you some of that background too. Also, guys, if there's a passage that you've got a question on, and if your pastor has preached through that passage, go on online to your church, uh, wherever the sermons are housed, wherever that archive is for you, and, and find that passage that your pastor preached on and, and listen to him. Uh, listen to what he has to say on there, and that will hopefully give you some clarity as well on, on what that passage really means. So yeah, context, guys, is, is so important. It's so good for us to understand what we're dealing with because it's way more important than Popeye's chicken. <laughs> right? It's, it's way more the, significant than not answering this question, you know, right about what was Popeye's favorite food. And you think, really? Seriously? $10,000 was on the line with that. But men, what, what we're dealing with, what we're handling is we're handling God's word. And it's far more significant that we handle that correctly than that we win $10,000 in some stupid game show, right? Yeah. So we need to make sure that we are handling his word accurately and rightly and not ripping it out of context, not making it say what he never intended it to say. And so that's our challenge to you. We hope that you'll be setting yourself to do that. And we will be praying that you find uh, success in doing that in the coming weeks.